Chapter Twenty of A Guest at the Ludlow by Bill Nye. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Twenty: Hints to the Traveller. Every thinkful student has doubtless noticed that when he enters the office or autograph department of an American inn, a lithe and alert male person seizes his valise or travelling bag with much earnestness he then conveys it to some sequestered spot and does not again return he is the porter of the hotel or inn he may be a modest porter just starting out or he may be a swollen and purse-proud porter with silver in his hair and also in his pocket i speak of the porter and his humble lot in order to show the average american boy who may read these lines that humor is not the only thing in america which yields large dividends on a very small capital to be a porter does not require great genius or education or intellectual versatility and yet well attended to the business is remunerative in the extreme and often brings excellent returns it shows that any american boy who does faithfully and well the work assigned to him may become well-to-do and prosperous recently i shook hands with a conductor on the milwaukee and st paul railroad who is the president of a bank there is a general impression in the public mind that conductors all die poor but here is jerry as everybody calls him a man of forty-five years of age perhaps with a long head of whiskers and the pleasant disposition of president of a bank as he thoughtfully slams the doors from car to car collecting fares on children who are no longer young and whose parents seek to conceal them under the seats or as he goes from passenger to passenger sticking large blue checks in their new silk hats and otherwise taking advantage of people he is sustained and soothed by the blessed thought that he has done the best he could and that some day when the summons comes to lay aside his loud-smelling lantern and make his last run he will leave his dear ones provided for perhaps i ought to add that during all these years of jerry's prosperity the road has also managed to keep the wolf from the door i mention it because it is so rare for the conductor and the road to make money at the same time i knew a conductor in the union pacific railroad some years ago who used to make a great deal of money but he did not invest wisely and so to-day is not the president of a bank he made a great deal of money in one way or another while on his run but the man with whom he was wont to play poker in the evening is now the president of the bank the conductor is in the puree it was in minneapolis that mr cleveland was once injudicious he and his wife were pained to read the following report of their conversation in the paper on the day after their visit to the flower city yes i like the town pretty well but the people some of em are too blamed fresh do you think so grover i thought they were very nice indeed but still i think i like st paul the best it is so old and respectable oh yes respectability is good enough in its place but it can be overdone i like washington where respectability is not made a hobby but are you not enjoying yourself here honey no i am not to tell you the truth i am very unhappy i'm so scared for fear i'll say something about the place that will be used against me by the st paul folks that i most wish i was dead 
and everybody wants to show me the new bridge and the waterworks and speak of our great and phenomenal growth and show me the population statistics and the schoolhouse and the washburn residence and doc ames and old ferguson and the sawmill and the boom and then walk me up into the thirteenth story of a flour mill and pour cornmeal down my back and show me the wonderful increase of city debt and the sewerage and the west hotel and the glorious ozone and things here that it makes me tired and i have to look happy and shake hands and say it knocks st paul silly well i don't think so at all and i wish i could do something besides be president for a couple of weeks and quit lying almost entirely except when i go a-fishing but don't you think the people here are very cordial darling yes they're too cordial for me altogether instead of talking about the wonderful hit i have made as a president and calling attention to my remarkable administration they talk about the flower output and the electric plant and other crops here and allude feelingly to number one hard and chintz bugs and other flora and fauna of this country which to be honest with you i do not and never did give a damn for grover well i beg your pardon dear and i oughtn't to speak that way before you but if you knew how much better i feel now you would not speak so harshly to me it is indeed hard to be ever gay and joyous before the great masses who as a general thing do not know enough to pound sand but who are still vested with the divine right of suffrage and so must be treated gently and loved and smiled at till it makes me ache mr cleveland was greatly annoyed by the publication of his conversation and could not understand it until this fall when a minneapolis man told him that the pale haughty coachman who drove the presidential carriage was a reporter he could handle a team with one hand and remember things with the other and so i say that as a president we cannot be too careful what we say i hope that the little boys and girls who read this and who may hereafter become presidents or wives of presidents will bear this in mind and always have a kind word for one and all whether they feel that way or not but i started out to speak of porters and not reporters i carry with me this year a small sorrel bag weighing a little over twenty ounces it contains a slight bottle of horse medicine and a powder rag sometimes it also contains a costly robe de nuit when i do not forget and leave said robe in a sleeping-car or hotel i am not overdrawing this matter however when i say honestly that the shrill cry of fire at night in most any hotel in the united states would now bring to the fire escape from one to six employees of said hotel wearing these costly vestments with my brief but imperishable name engraven on the bosom this little travelling bag which is not larger than a man's hand is rudely pulled out of my grasp as i enter an inn and it has cost me twenty-nine dollars to get it back again from the porter besides i have paid eight dollars and thirty-five cents for new handles to replace those that have been torn off in frantic scuffles between the porter and myself to see which would get away with it yesterday i was talking with a reformed lecturer about this peculiarity of the porters he said he used to lecture a great deal at moderate prices throughout the country and after ten years of earnest toil he was enabled to retire with a rich experience and nine dollars in money he lectured on phrenology and took his meals with the chairman of the lecture committee in ore colorado the baggage man allowed his trunk to fall from a great height 
and so the lid was knocked off and the bust which the professor used in his lecture was busted he therefore had to borrow a bald-headed man to act as bust for him in the evening after the close of the lecture the professor found that the bust had stolen the gross receipts from his coat-tail pocket while he was lecturing the only improbable feature about this story is the implication that a bald-headed man would commit a crime but still he did not become soured he pressed on and lectured to the gentle janitors of the land in piercing tones he was always kind to every one even when people criticized his lecture and went away before he got through he forgave them and paid his bills just the same as he did when people liked him once a newspaper man did him a great wrong by saying that the lecture was decayed and that the professor would endear himself to everyone if some night at his hotel instead of blowing out the gas and turning off his brains as he usually did he would just turn off the gas and blow out his brains but the professor did not go to the newspaper man's office and shoot holes in his person he spoke kindly to him always and once when the two met in a barber shop and it was doubtful which was next as they came in from opposite ends of the room the professor gently yielded the chair to the man who had done him the great wrong and while the barber was shaving him eleven tons of ceiling peeled off and fell on the editor who had been so cruel and so rude and when they gathered up the debris a day or two afterward it was almost impossible to tell which was ceiling and which was remains so it is always best to deal gently with the erring especially if you think it will be fatal to them the reformed lecturer also spoke of a discovery he made which i had never heard of before he began during the closing years of his tour to notice mysterious marks on his trunk made with chalk generally and so during his leisure hours he investigated them and their cause and effect he found that they were the symbols of the independent order of porters and baggage bursters he discovered that it was a species of language by which one porter informed the next without the expense of telegraphing what style of man owned the trunk and the prospects for touching him as one might say the professor gave me a few of these signs from an old notebook together with his own interpretation after years of close study i reproduce them here because i know they will interest the reader as they did me illustration this trunk if handled gently and then carefully unstrapped in the owner's room so as to open comfortably without bursting the wall or giving the owner vertigo is good for a quarter illustration this man is a good kind-hearted man generally but will sometimes escape better not let him have his hand baggage till he puts up illustration this trunk belongs to a woman who may possibly thank you if you handle the baggage gently and will weep if you knock the lid off kind words can never die illustration this trunk belongs to a traveling man who weighs two hundred eleven pounds if you have no respect for the blamed old fireproof safe itself please respect it for its gentle owner's sake he cannot bear to have his trunk harshly treated and he might so far forget himself as to kill you it is better to be alive and poor than it is to be wealthy and dead it is better to do a kind act for a fellow being than it is to leave a desirable widow for someone else to marry illustration if you will knock the top off this trunk you will discover the clothing of a mean man in case you cannot knock the lid entirely off burst it open a little so that the great restless seething travelling public 
can see how many hotel napkins and towels and cakes of soap he has stolen illustration this is the trunk of a young girl and contains the poor but honest garb she wore when she ran away from home also the gay clothes she bought after a wicked ambition had poisoned her simple heart they are the gaudy garments and flashy trappings for which she exchanged her honest laugh and her bright and beautiful youth handle gently the poor little trunk as you would touch her sad little history for her father is in the second-class coach weeping softly into his coarse red handkerchief and she herself is going home in the same train in her cheap little coffin in the baggage car to meet her sorrowing mother who will go up into the garret many rainy afternoons in the days to come to cry over this poor little trunk and no one will know about it it will be a secret known only to her sorrowing heart and to god end of chapter twenty read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california shaggybark.blogspot.com